office garb and have just turned up for office work. Yes. It looks like it's just turned up work. And Stefan is still dying of the lurgy, so it has been... We've we've ended up doing many reviews to each other of cough sweets for probably <laughs> the past, past ten minutes. You've been sitting chatting about random shit. Yeah, which we always do, and we often do. You so know the stuff that we're be... supposed to do on here? That's what we do before we come on here. Yeah, and then <laughs> we'll, we'll get on here, and we're like, uh, what do we talk about now? <laughs> Yeah, how you got a topic because I've run out of throat sweets to talk about. Oh, no, man, you can't run out of throat sweets. Uh, yes, I do. I do have a topic. And it's about something that I assume we would probably do at some point just to fuck with people. But mm-hmm. it would have to be like a high level fuck. Go on, then. Uh, this is the man of Tower Red or Toe Red? Two Red? Uh, basically, he's a Tokyo airport legend. Alright? Okay. Um, the man from Tourred is a legend that allegedly takes place in July of 1954 at the Haneda Airport in Tokyo, Japan. The customs officials stop a man who produces a passport from the country of Tourred. There's some clattering going on. Some destruction, some clattering. We do apologise for the audio interference. There is chaos. Sorry, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. You are back. <laughs> I like the fact you have to check because sometimes your mic goes out. So it's like I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, I don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither do we. To be honest, <coughs> neither yeah. do we. I'm the only one here. I'm just making it sound like there's more than anyway, me. You're talking about the man from Turin. Yes. Wait, the man from Tourred. Yeah, but... Close <laughs> enough, honestly. Uh, unfamiliar with the country after he, after he produced the passport and suspecting criminal activity... Hold on, what, what country? Unfamiliar what country? Tourred. What, is that, that's not the country. Yeah, he's he's produced a passport which is apparently from Tourred. Is this the guy that lives in the airport because there's no flight going where he wants to go or some shit? He's just lived there for years. No, um, he disappeared. Confused, man. He ah, disappeared. Okay. Um, unfamiliar with, with the country and suspecting criminal activity, the man is detained under guard at a local hotel while an investigation takes place the following day. He just vanished. Oh, yeah. His true identity and how he managed to escape remains a mystery to this day, apparently. It says the Tokyo... It says that it's likely an urban legend created in the 1960s. However, it continues to circulate on the internet and is the basis of several books and films, possibly inspiring the guy who is stuck in an airport that can't leave. No, that's a real story, man. Um, but it, it uh, So the story begins on a hot July day in Haneda Airport, um, where hundreds of thousands of people go, and there was a solitary bearded man uh, for some reasons that aren't clear, he became the focus of attention for at least one customs official, probably because he's in Japan and he's got a beard. That's a rarity in itself. No, it's probably um, his fake passport with a made-up country on it. And they hadn't seen it yet. Uh, by all oh. appearances, <laughs> this man was just another passenger. A smartly-dressed businessman is surely just another body to deal with. Uh, in the less security-conscious days, he must have done or said something that garnered extra attention. 
When pressed, he stated that this was just another business trip for him, one of several he had made during the course of the year. His native tongue was French, but Japanese was just one of the numerous languages he was fluent with. Um, concerned about the possibility of facing a tracker and or smuggler, officials began to question him. Um, when asked where he was from, he casually informed officials he was from Tored. Not familiar with such a place, they pressed for further details. The passenger seemed only too happy to furnish additional data. Tored was a nation situated between France and Spain, which had been in existence for millennia. So, so he's French. So yeah, so he was saying he, he's from... He's basically saying he's from somewhere like Andorra, but he's saying he's from Tored, which is somewhere near there. But which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, but he, he's, he seems to be saying that it's a country that's in between it, not just a city or a town. Um, the... The customs check quickly descended into something resembling a farce, as neither side was willing to accept that the other was being anything other than honest. Uh, just as the custom officials were adamant that no such place existed, the increasing, uh, increasingly irate passenger was insistent that he was correct, in true British fashion. Uh, he even produced his passport, Ooh. issued into red as proof. His previous trips to Japan and elsewhere did appear on his passport, as he claimed. So he managed to do trips with this fucking thing. Or he just printed it off the internet and then stamped it or copied the stamps from his normal passport that was French. Yeah. Um, the contents of his wallet contained currency from several European nations. In an effort to remove all confusion and expedite matters, uh, customs offered their bizarre passenger the chance to indicate where he was from. He pointed to the country we know as Andorra on a map. So that's where he pointed. He pointed at Andorra. Uh, okay. Faced with the choice of what to do next, customs were a loss. Nothing like this has happened. Uh, so they decided to investigate it further. So they invited the man to stay, stay the night at a local hotel while the inquiries took place. He agreed, and as precaution, a pair of armed guards were stationed outside his hotel room. So so by what was that? They invited him for the opportunity to spend night at a local hotel, did you say? They invited him to stay at a local hotel while they investigate the situation. That's police, that's police talk for he's being kidnapped, but we can't say that because we're official. Exactly. <laughs> we've kidnapped him because we've got no rights to hold him. Yeah, basically. So we invited him to stay for the night. Uh, the hotel <laughs> With he two armed guards. Booked, yeah, the hotel he originally booked a room at had no knowledge of a reservation in his name. The company he was due to meet had no idea who the man was or even the company he represented. The bank that issued his checkbook couldn't be found anywhere either. Convinced that he caught a criminal in the act that was that he was yet to perpetrate, uh, customs ordered the passenger's return for further questioning. However, when his hotel room was emptied, emptied, no trace of the man could be found. Of the two so ways I... out of his room, the lack of a balcony and a recognised escape attempt ruled out the window. So, the two obvious things here are that you could say that. Well, okay. There's there's three things here. In order of in reverse order of plausibility, it's not plausible. <laughs> but I'm sure people will say he's a time traveler from when that nation existed and this company existed and stuff. Yeah, right. So he's came forward in time. In which case, how can he speak so many modern languages? But you could because language evolves, but over thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, so and, and and languages like Japanese and French 
don't really change. You get the odd new words and stuff like that that get put into it. But Japanese is a really old traditional language. French is one of the base languages along with Germanic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of get that you would be able to speak that. If it was something like you could speak, I don't know, like a more modern language like Portuguese or something, then okay, maybe it would be a bit weird. Um, but yeah, so that's that's theory one. Now moving up in plausibility, the next the next ladder of this is you take it at face value, and he is a guy from here, and it's not time travel, but somehow he's ended up here, and it's all confusion bullshit. More likely, oh, they're, they're, then there's their theory of he's a criminal, and he's up to something, and it's all fabricated. Then above yeah. that, I think I think more likely than that is. Well, no, actually, that's that's one of the more plausible on face value is that he's like something's going on. He's done it on purpose, and he's having them along for the ride, is, and he's made see, himself I've, disappearable. I, I kind of what I think is like he has my theory, and I don't know if it lines up with yours, but it's well, like, I have a theory that I think is the most plausible of all. So we'll see what. Yeah, I think this is the most plausible of all, and it's basically that the. the the guy has said the name of a place, and they've heard it as too red, but he said it with, like, because his native accent is French, and he knows so many languages, he might have ended up saying it wrong, or, like, in a weird tongue that wasn't understood. So maybe or, like, it's a, a mistranslation. that sounds like too red. So, something like that, or it's just been a mistranslation. And he's because a lot of a lot of place names don't have direct translations in other languages, and a lot of place names some place names do like France isn't France it's France so listen we're not getting they call but, themselves but, the France that you yeah use it. exactly so on France but the way I don't know like Canada's getting close but <laughs> so but, but no but no the, the way so I think what they've done is that and then when they've done their inquiries they've been specifically saying like oh do you have a booking for for a man of this stature from from this place, and of course, because nobody will have heard of that place, everybody's just turned around and went, the hell you're on about? No. But it's entirely possible that he did agree, actually but... have a meeting or hotel room and stuff, but if Yeah, no, I would I'll... If, if, if you're like, if you're travelling a lot, and if you're going to see this company, if it's the first time you've seen this company, they're not going to know what he looks like, so they're not going to know he's a big man with a beard. If it's the first time he's using that hotel, they don't exactly check what you look like when you book a hotel, do they? No. Okay, so well, it what, might what, just what, be what, a case. The people you were going to meet, nobody had heard of the companies representing. So that's one issue. It could have just been a drop-in meeting, though. It could have been one of those things where they're, they're vying for a contract, trying to fight for a contract, and they've decided instead of starting with email it, responses it, and stuff, they've sent a representative. It, it didn't seem that way to me, but either way, they don't recognize, they don't have a booking name for him that they recognize or anything like that. So it's like, it's not just the country that's been mistaken or misinterpreted or ways from that to be misinterpreted or lost in translation here. It's also his name and, and the people he's representing or the company he's representing. And the other side of that, what I would say was, I would agree with that. But then if that was you in that situation, you fly over to Japan, you say, I'm from England and I'm Kyle and I'm here to represent whatever company and you know, and blah blah blah, and stuff gets lost in translation. You get put into a hotel room. There's police outside, and that yeah, you'd you'd be a bit fucking panicky or whatever. You got stopped customs, and you don't know what the fuck's going on. But wouldn't you wait until the morning and try and get hold, get them to get a hold of a translator? Or I know this is modern day solution, but get translation on your phone to be able to communicate. 
you 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 wouldn't just disappear in the night. You wouldn't be like, well, fuck this, I'm away, because you haven't done anything, and now you're lost in a foreign country. And then when they do catch you, they're going to think you're definitely up to something. So you made everything worse for yourself. That doesn't make any sense. And where's he gone? He would have had to leave at some point. Otherwise, he's still there. What the fuck's he doing? That's so a lot of it doesn't make sense. You know what I think? What I thought I was the most plausible, but I've just talked myself out of it. Okay. That he was just a fucking crazy bastard. That he was just nuts. That he believed what he was saying, but obviously it's not fucking true. But then it's still, I come back to my own point of, if he'd run away out the hotel room, either one, he's still lost in that country somewhere and how has nobody found him or noticed him yet? Or two, he's had were left at some point, so how has he done that? So unless he had several fucking passports and he's managed to get another flight under another fake name and he's just batshit crazy or a criminal mastermind then. Honestly, I feel like it's just, like it said, it's become like an urban legend. I feel like it's one of those stories where it's been made up for new recruits and then it sort of spreads so, so that it's like, be vigilant and check these things because the man of Tourred might come or something. You know what I mean? Like so, some companies, like some places used to make up stories to try and get your employees to actually pay attention to the job because it's not hard to be in a job every day in day out and just eventually start not like given so little of a shit that you end up missing details and when you yeah. work in an airport where you've got millions of people coming in day in day out you it might be a little bit of an issue so i think it's possibly just been made as a story to try and remind people pay fucking attention to people's passports <laughs> yeah maybe um so, do you want to? Well, I can stay on the theme of supposed urban legends. Oh, do you want to know the best part of this story, by the way? I'll go on then, yeah. So, you know how he escaped, but nobody knew how, and the man to rule out the window, and neither guard noticed movement with movement within the room, or and the door wasn't opened at all during the night. Uh, apparently, all of the man's personal documents, such as the checkbook, passport, driver's license uh-huh. that he had, all disappeared from within the airport security room. So if he has escaped, he's managed to sneak back into the airport, get his shit out of the security room and fuck off. Nah, mate, he could've, if, he just, if he's that good that he's getting out of a hotel room without leaving any evidence at the window or door with two armed guards at it, and and then retrieve all his documents from, I'm assuming, camera and secured and manned airport security lock rooms, it was then the 50s, I'm, well, he probably so could've gotten on any how... flight he fucking wants unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how well it would have been secured in the fifties, but yeah, basically he's managed to sneak into an air back into the airport. He got stopped at in the first place to get his shit back. I love the balls of that—the fact that he fucking went back. Yeah, like you said, he like the normal person. Even if you managed to escape the hotel room, you would just like roam the country, or you would try and find another way out, or something like those documents would be stuck there forever. They would just get lost. But the fact that they vanished as well. Yeah, if he's getting back in there and he's getting all that sort, then you know, I don't know. Hmm. Right onto uh, yours. As as I will just put in to say a. To everybody who's listening, Stefan's name this week in the chat is time to let Kyle use valuable ER rent just because we ended up going massively over time last week when we said we were going to do a short episode. Yeah, well, no, because the ER rent is, uh, well, hold on, what was the definition? It's um, the, what's it called? Um, 
perceived time um yeah. taken up by someone by uh in uh taken up by someone for for trivial or un unimportant conversation or something like that so it's basically what we do here i'm giving you a rent you're taking up my time yeah. for trivial or unimportant conversation so we are <laughs> giving everybody ear rent yes or taking everybody's ear rent uh i oh, see i've got loads i've got loads about like Area 51 and Roman ruins and the Voynich manuscript um, and uh, the Sodder children. Have you heard about them? And D.B. Cooper. Should we do a, like a, a Unsolved Mysteries episode next week? I feel like we're going to have to because we've got loads. Well, but for now, I'm going to talk to you about my, fam- my favourite um, odd story. It's just the story uh, of how Jay was created. It is the story of the Dolby Spook. The Dolby Spook. A.K.A. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. What? <laughs> A.K.A. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Is this like an actual mongoose or just someone dressed up as a mongoose? I shall read you the story of Jeff. Okay. Spelled G-A-F. But if you Google G-A-F, it comes up with energy companies and you can't find them. So you've got to put yeah, in Jeff the Mongoose. <laughs> in September 1931... The Irving family consisted of James, Margaret, and a 13-year-old daughter named Voiry. Uh, claimed they heard persistent scratching, rustling, and vocal noises behind their farmhouse's wooden wall panels that variously resembled a ferret, a dog, or a baby. Right? Okay. So they, they heard these noises. According to the Irvings, a creature named Jeff introduced itself and told them it was a mongoose born in New Delhi, India in 1852. Okay. According to Voiry, Jeff was the size of a small rat, had yellowish fur, fur, and a large bushy tail. The Irvings say that Jeff communicated to them was an extra, extra clever mongoose, an earthbound spirit, and a ghost in the form of a mongoose. And one said, I am a freak. I have hands and I have feet, and if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone, or a pillar of salt. The Irvings made various claims about Jeff. He supposedly guarded their house and informed them of approach of guests by uh, of guests or any unfamiliar dog. They said that if someone had gotten uh, had forgotten to put the fire out that night, Jeff would go down and stop the stove. The Irvings claimed that Jeff would also wake people up if when they overslept, and whenever mice got into the house, he supposedly assumed the role of a cat, although he preferred to scare them rather than kill them. The Irvings say that they gave Jeff biscuits, chocolates and bananas and food was left for him in a saucer suspended from the ceiling, which he took when he thought well, no one was watching. And I don't know what in this story. Why are you giving us that look? There's nothing here that you shouldn't be able to believe, right? No, the, the thing that... They I'm suspended saying... a saucer from the ceiling for their talking mongoose ghost that was a cat that woke them up and put the fire out. What's What's not believable here? The, the, the fact that it just <laughs> reminds me of a horror film where... That, where... The someone had to, it was someone had to go to a house and babysit a doll because it was supposedly the cursed spirit of their son who had died years previous, but it wasn't. It was <coughs> that the the kid was hiding in the wall, like all the walls were hollow, and he was living in the walls in the attic the entire time, and he basically grew up doing it and the only way he communicated was via scratching and moving the doll and talking through the doll 
but it was actually just him in the walls and he was managing to go through secret passages constantly. This just instinctively reminds me of that. So as if there's like a guy living in the walls and he's just managing to bullshit his way into staying there by just being useful. Well, so this is, um, I should say, uh, Dolby is a small hamlet on the Isle of Man. So this is in the Isle of Man in the 1930s. Yeah, this isn't Dolby, the electrical company. No. Um, and it's not Dolby as in Dolby Atmos that makes speakers and shit. <laughs> the sound company. That's the, that's the one I meant, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, spelled differently. So, uh, the Irvings claimed that the mongoose regularly accompanied them to, on trips to the market, but always stayed on the other side of hedges, chatting incessantly. Okay. So, it just chats all the time. It's like Jay and Mongoose Fall. It is. The story of Jeff became popular in the tabloid press, and many journalists flocked to the aisle to try and catch a glimpse of the creature. Several other people, both locals and visitors, claimed to have heard Jeff's voice, and two claimed to have seen it. However, physical evidence was lagging. Right? Footprints, stains on the wall, and hair samples, all claimed to be evidence of Jeff, were identified as belonging to the Irvin sheepdog, as were several photos which were claimed by the Irvings to depict Jeff. I don't know how they got photos of the sheepdog, and went, oh, this is a ferret. <laughs> yeah, especially because it's meant to be rat-sized. Yeah. What's one small sheepdog? Um, Margaret and Margaret and Voyery, uh, Irving left the home in 1945 after the death of James Irving. They reportedly had had to sell the farm at a loss because it had uh, the reputation of being haunted. So if this was a hoax, it backfired on the big time. Yeah. Uh, in 1946, Leslie Graham, who bought their farm, claimed in the press that he had shot and killed Jeff. <laughs> the body displayed by Graham was, however, a black and white and much larger than the famous mongoose, uh, uh, and Voyery Irving was certain that it was not Jeff. She died in 2005. Uh, in an interview published in Late Life, she maintained that Jeff was not her creation. So that's the story behind it. What do you think so far? I think it would be fun to go to the house. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I'm still standing by it. I think it's been someone either playing a prank by like managing to sneak around the house or living in the walls type type situation. Like if it's an old house and it's quite a big house, like a manor or something, it could be someone living in the walls, living in the attic, that sort of thing. Especially with managing to get stuff from the ceiling and and I I feel like it could just be. Hold on. I don't know. Like, how do you it's manage old, to convince old farmhouse that can't be displayed for copyright purposes? <laughs> for um, your I don't know if you can see green. that at all. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. Uh, no, I can sort of see little bits of it. There yeah, it, it, there we go. It looks like so an that old is that is Foyery and James, so the daughter and the father stand in front of the house. So yeah, I think that so could it's be an old farm building. I suppose it sort of depends on the inside, but I don't know. I fuck knows. Right, there's more to it. So the, there were psychic investigations. Of course there were. In July 1935, the editor of the Listener, Richard S. Lambert, who was known as Rex and his friend paranormal investigator Harry Price went to the Isle of Man to investigate the case and produced the book The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, uh, published 1936. 
They avoided saying that they believed the story, but were careful to report it objectively. The book reports how a hair from the alleged mongoose was sent to Gillian Huxley, who then sent it to naturalist F. Martin Duncan, who identified it as dog hair. Price suspected that the hair belonged to the urban sheep dog Mona. Price asked Reginald Pocock of the Natural History Museum to evaluate paw prints allegedly made by Jeff in plasticine together with an impression of his supposed tooth marks. Pocock could not match them to any known animal, although he con- con- conceded that one of them might have been conceivably made by a dog. He did state that none of the markings had been made by a mongoose. The diaries of James Irvin, along with reports about the case, are in Harry Price's archives in the Senate House Library, University of London. Ah, so we can't okay. go look this up. Yeah. Price visited the Irvins and observed double walls of wooden panelling covering the interior rooms of the old stone farmhouse, which feature considerable interior airspace between the stone and wood walls that makes the whole house one great speaking tube, he said, with walls like soundboards. By speaking into one of the many uh, apertures in the panels, it should be possible to convey the voice to various parts of the house. According to Richard Weissman, Price and Lambert were less than enthusiastic about the case, concluding that only the most credulous of individuals would be impressed with the evidence for Jeff. Yeah, um, and, and that, that, that whole wall thing does just suggest, like, I'm starting to wonder if the horror film I've seen was inspired by this, to be honest, because it does sound extremely close to it. Man, it could be. Uh, it, it, this does get better because I have found it. There's a guy called Nandor Fodor, research right. officer for the International Institute of uh, Psych, Psych, Psycho Research, uh, stayed at the Irving's house for a week without seeing or hearing Jeff. Fodor did not believe the deliberate deception had occurred, that deliberate deception had occurred, and moulded a complex psychological theory to explain Jeff based on a split-off personality of Jim Irving's personality. So. A few paranormal investigators looked into it and didn't really believe any of it, didn't really say much about it, but published a book on it. Uh, the yeah. paw prints that were sent away were inconclusive. The hair was of the family dog, and a psych stayed with them for a week, didn't see or hear anything, but said they're not deliberately like winding people up or pissing them off. I genuinely think this guy's got a split personality, and that's part of it. So that was the official. But there were other reputations. I mean, that, so, that would make sense if he had a split personality and, like, sightings died off when they sold the house, because they sold the house when he died. If sightings died off and nobody's seen it since, then it could have been him. So well, this yeah. all depends on if there's been any sightings since. Well, no, because the guy, remember the guy who bought it off them shot him. He said he shot him. Yes, but the guy who bought off him might not have ever heard him or seen him, might have just shot something and assumed it was Jeff. Yeah. Uh, although some psychic, psychic investigators uh, thought that Jeff was a poltergeist or a ghost, skeptics, including residents of the Isle of Man, believed that the Irving family had colluded to perpetuate a hoax that was organised by the daughter of Oyrie. An Isle of Man examiner report I wrote that when he caught the girl making noises, her father tried to convince him that the sound came from somewhere else. According to Joan Nickel, researchers have suspected Voyery used ventriloquism and other tricks, uh, quote, the effects of which were hyped by family members, reporters in search of a story, and credulous paranormalists. Contemporary media scholar Jeffrey Sconce uh, writes that the most likely explanation is that, quote, this extra, extra clever mongoose was an imaginary companion created by the Irvings' extra, extra clever daughter. 
So the shrink <laughs> thought it was a split personality from the dad, and a couple of reporters and locals thought that they were just the daughter made it up, and they were just kind of having, you know, fun with it. They were just going along with it. But in 1937, yeah. uh, there was a lawsuit because you can't have a good random story of something possibly imaginary without somebody getting sued. Exactly. <laughs> so who sued who? Lambert brought an action for slander against Sir Cecil Levitia. After Levitia suggested to a friend that Lambert was unfit to be on the board of the British Film Institute, Levitia said that Lambert was off his head because he had believed in the talking mongoose and the evil eye. Lambert was uh, pressured to abandon his action by Sir Stephen Talents, but persisted, persisted with it and won, receiving £7,600 in damages. Then an exceptional figure for a slander case. Uh, case, awarded because Lambert's counsel managed to introduce a BBC memo which showed Lambert's career had been threatened if he persisted with the case. Uh, the case became known as the Mongoose case. So the guy, Lambert, who was the... Um, Richard S. Lambert, who was the uh, editor of The Listener, and he's the guy who went and done the, par- done the investigation with his mate, who yeah. didn't really believe it. Uh, well... Apparently, Sir Cecil Levitia then tried to sack him and threaten him, and they found memos that showed that he was basically friend. So he won the case, and he got seven thousand six hundred pound in damages in nineteen thirty-seven. It's not bad. That's a lot of money. Oh, for fuck off! <laughs> hey, um, but yeah, uh, there are also some media things about it, which I'll get to when Kyle comes back from his little excursion there. Um. Well, yeah, this is this is just a. I I don't I don't know what to think of this one. I don't know what Kyle thinks of it. I guess I don't know what Kyle thinks of it. But I'd like to believe that this is real. Obviously, it's not. But... So what, what do, what do you think? Phones. What do you think? I think. I don't know, man. It could be split personality. I suppose, like, if he doesn't know that he's doing it, it could be a personality taken over. There have been cases of that. It could be them doing an elaborate hoax, and even even on a deathbed, her insisting it wasn't because in her childhood mind it wasn't, but it might have been. It could have been a psychotic episode. It could have been someone living in the walls. It could have just been they had an extra pet and they decided to just do some random shit. Fuck Could I offer what I genuinely believe? Because, obviously, I'm a child and it's a mongoose and it's called Jeff, so I want to be real. I'm like, yeah, it's real. I think it could be... (laughs) Like, was there any contention for the land or anything like that? Because if there was, it would be an excellent way to try and get rid of any contention. No, no, it's just their house, they're there, they're doing the thing, and then this story comes out, the press gets interested. I think that maybe the father did have split personality and he was hearing voices and things. And I think that the daughter, uh, like you said, talking into these panels and that, can hear like, this stuff behind the walls. So I think, yeah. that, first of all, I think the scratching and knocking and stuff like that was probably the dog moving about and stuff like that and probably mice in the walls. Let's be yeah. honest. It's, an, it's an old farm house. Yeah. yeah. I think the talk and the voices and the specific things that are said, I think have came about because maybe the dad, maybe he didn't have split personality, maybe he was a little bit schizophrenic or something, he has voices or he thinks he has things or he's a little bit paranoid. 
The daughter then plays a trick on him, whispering on, talking on the walls and stuff like that. He thinks he knows what he's heard. It blows up because he talks about it. It becomes a big thing. The press get interested, and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, shit, what have I done now? He's going to look crazy. So she then has to keep up that act. So I yeah. don't nec- I don't know if the family was in on it, but I think that's how it started. And I think it's possible that the dad kind of believed it and he was a bit... There was something not right. There was something yeah. where, uh, like I said, maybe he was schizophrenic or something like that, something that could be diagnosable these days, but maybe he wasn't back then. Um, and I think that she's played on it as first as like just a wind-up, but then it's kind of became a thing, so it's just kept, kept at it. Um, yeah. I think that, that's what happened. That's what I think. Uh, but it has made its way into media, which I haven't looked at the section before, but I've just seen it now. Okay. So uh, there is a Jeff, exclamation point, The Strange Tale of an Extra Special Token Mongoose by Christopher Jeff- jo- Joseph. A non-fiction treatment of the case was published by The Strange Attractor Press in 2017. Okay. So apparently there's a problem. But this is the best thing about it, because there's a lot of words here that I haven't read before. In this, in, I've read the words before. I didn't know this was a thing. So, okay, there's a band called Lemon Demon. That's where we're starting with us. I like it already. Lemon Demon's 2009 song Eighth Wonder is about Jeff, and its lyrics contain many of Jeff's alleged quotations. The song was later released on the 2016 album Spirit Phone. I don't know what that is. I need to listen to it, and I'm going to when we go off here. Yeah. You need to send it to me. If you do manage to find it, send it on, sir. Lemon Demon might be when you favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking might be, man. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Who names the band Lemon Demon? I don't know, man. That's the type of shit that I love. Like, you get bands who try to sound edgy or try to sound hip, and then you've just got Lemon Demon. Uh, so it's also mentioned in another couple of things. So, um, Richard Morris in two thousand six uh, published a book called Harry Price, the Psychic Detective. Um, it was a biography that included an account of the Jeff investigation. Um, uh, Harry Price and Lambert Richard's book in ninety with that released in nineteen thirty six was The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, a Modern Miracle Investigated. Um. And then it featured in the book by Richard Weissman in 2011 called Paranormality, Why We See What Isn't There. And then it was apparently in... Oh, so there was a film um, by Brian Catling and Tony Grissoni. Uh, 1999, and it's uh, it's called Vanished, a video seance. So apparently that's a must be like a feature, yeah. Um, and then the the what do you call the guy? The psychologist um, wrote a book in nineteen sixty four, uh, uh, Nando uh that was called Between Two Worlds, which was uh, published by Parker, and it's featured in there. Um, so yeah. So there's, there's, it's, it's in quite a few books. There's quite a few written accounts of it because obviously it did become a big thing in the in the present things, and these people did yeah. investigate it at the time, so it's in their their works. But then yeah. just the fact that it's on a random song from 2009 by a band called Lemon Demon, which I have found and I've just sent it to you. I saw the link pop up. Yeah, it's fucking great. Even the album cover looks mad because it's just a guy and a cat, and they've both got spot one sparkly eye on a red background. It looks. <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> 
I'm going to wrap this up with Lucent Lemon Demon. <laughs> I think we're going to have to. <laughs> yeah, because I can't play it on you. Imagine if... Right, all the stuff we've done on here. All the stuff we've done. All the stuff Jay has played songs before would been fine. Imagine if we get copyright strike because of Lemon Demon's 8th Wonder. I know. It would be Sod's Law. It would be how we get taken off. Yeah, again. Again, yeah. <laughs> hey. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are not... We did say it was going to be a shorter one, um, and now we've just gained an excuse to go and sort of... <laughs> well, so, so, next week, should we, should we do a little teaser? Should we continue this conversation next week and just do Unsolved Mysteries in general? I believe so, yes. Yeah. So, next week, Unsolved Mysteries... Uh, can we, we make a pact right now? We're gonna avoid the most obvious ones like DB Cooper and stuff like that, the ones that everyone knows, but we'll, we'll yeah. pick out some more obscures, yeah, because obviously, everybody's already of... heard them and yeah, pe- people know them, people already know all the stories about them. There's been films and stuff about them, yeah, nobody really gives a fuck anymore. <laughs> it's, the, it's the it's the ones that are put on the Discovery Channel with fucking William Shatner and stuff constantly yeah. all the time now, aren't they? It's like, they've been done and done and done to death. Yeah, so we're banning, like, D.B. Cooper and the Zodiac Killer. And, I mean, you, go, you could do a fucking two-hour episode about the Zodiac Killer, there's that much about it. But yeah. it's technically an unsolved mystery. But yeah, um, we'll come back next week with a, with a with an unsolved special. An unsolved we'll special solve... and, and, and a review We'll solve of some Lemon cases. Demon. We'll solve some cases and re- well, next week we'll recommend a band every week. This week we'll recommend Lemon Demon, even though I've never heard them, just because they're awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Taken off air. About Jeff. <laughs> Taken off air is going to solve all of the unsolved mysteries and listen to Lemon Demon for the entire week because we are probably going to get stuck listening to the fucking Jeff song now. Dude, as soon as we're in an office, I'm going to put Lemon Demon on. And do you know what? Say nothing to Jay. And say nothing to Jordan, and then oh, when God, Jay no. doesn't, when they don't listen to this, and it gets uploaded, and they don't listen to it, they will just randomly put on Lemon Demon and don't say anything. <laughs> yep. Oh, hey. Yeah. Sometimes our right. plots—they they are stupid but fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, so we're going to leave it there. Yeah. Thank it's you been very a short much one this listening. week, but we're, we're not we're ill and low on numbers, so. Yeah, we're sorry. It, it, we're, we're ill. It's the reign of two, reigning yeah. supreme still. So we, it might be just us two again next week. If it is, then the this unsolved most unsolved unsolved mysteries will just be all us. <laughs> unsolved if <we> mysteries. Do, <laughs> if we do have another person, then they're going to be confused as fuck as to what's going on, which is going to be fantastic. Awesome. So thank you very much for listening. It has been a pleasure, and thank you very much for joining me on this mad masquerade, my dear sir. Yeah, as always. And and obviously you can find me on Spotify and uh, any socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of that stuff. Uh, buy me a coffee. You can find our website. Just Google Taken Off Air, all one word, and we will show up in your browser somewhere. And if we don't show up like that, just search Taken Off Air Podcast. Because yes. sometimes adding the podcast on the end does actually help for some reason. Well, I can't speak for other browsers, but if you go on Google and just type in "taken off air" as one word, you, the first page of results is all us. So we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't use Google, that's your problem. Yeah, I saw that out. Why don't you use? Who doesn't use Google? What's happened? Yeah, I mean, I mean what's what's the alternative? It's Firefox, which is a bit slow. 
And if it's Internet Explorer, by the time it'll be three weeks before they find out anyway that it doesn't work. So we're uh, not going to worry Internet about that. Explorer is, Internet Explorer <laughs> is dead. It's now Microsoft Edge. It yeah, oh, be yeah, no, no, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because it's uh, on the edge could... of finding out what you've asked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it just dives off a fucking cliff. <laughs> no, there's there's things like Opera and stuff like that. Um, Nobody uses Opera. I use Opera. What's your problem? Right, we're not going to argue. Next week, Opera, browser Opera reviews. Has built, <laughs> Opera has built-in pop-up blocker, man. Oh, God, Kyle. It's great. Yeah, that's because it can't be slowed down any more than it is. Honestly, it's just as fast as my Google Chrome, but that just <laughs> might be my internet. I was going to say your internet, though. Yeah, everything. It would be easier for you to write it on a piece of paper and give it to a man, and then he can run to the library and get you that information. Than you use your internet sometimes. No, well, <laughs> before Microsoft Edge upgraded to Internet Explorer, I used to laugh at all the memes that were like, "Oh, Internet Explorer is so slow and all that sort of stuff," just because on my internet, Internet Explorer was the fastest browser. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good Kyle's internet is. I can't yeah, say anything. So... This is the longest mine's worked all week. Yeah, we've tried to play games all week and it's just constantly died. Uh, I've got everything off. This is just a laptop on the internet, so it's working at the minute. We're all right. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I'm going to go and listen to Lemon Demon, and I think he is too. Yep, definitely. And we'll, we'll uh, teach you if they're good or not next week. Teach you? We're not teaching anyone anything or We're just passing on uh, information. Yeah, we'll, we'll let no, you know that is good, because I get the feeling we've just given Lemon Demon a lot of publicity there for nothing. Lemon Demon don't sponsor this episode, but they should. <laughs> they should. Can we be sponsored by them? That would be amazing. I, I, I mean, I would love that. I would love it if Lemon Demon sponsored me. <laughs> uh, so tune in next week, and we'll 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 for more. Un, what was it you said before? Unsolved mysteries. Unsolved mysteries. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna solve some mysteries. Mysteries, you said. Mysteries. Mysteries. We're gonna <laughs> solve some mysteries. <laughs> anyway. Radio. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye! Goodbye.